Hey guys, welcome to Crush This Monstruck Podcast. It's Dan Chichagosh, and right now I'm be, I'm actually on the road to uh, Sacramento, California, uh, getting ready for some Monster Jam. We had the weekend off, and we had Bra- hang out with Brad the week beforehand. But we got we got this episode going on here too. I uh, want to thank High Octane Coffee, J Concepts, uh, JB Scale Graphics, um, Justin Stories. Man, uh, Hall Brothers Racing, uh, MTRC, Back Channel Productions, and uh, Six B Apparel. Thank you for all you guys have done. We're going to do some ads here, too, and thank everyone for doing that. Once again, guys, if you haven't had a chance, go see Justin Story's book. It's Making Tracks. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool uh, kind of comic book type deal. And... Uh, for you kids and stuff like that. It's $10 a pop through Justin Stories or Amazon.com. And it's also, I believe, in audio form too. But uh, once again, guys, thank you. Our Monster Jam season right now has been kind of crazy. Uh, we were in Salt Lake City, Utah for week one, then Tacoma, Washington for five shows. So it was pretty intense. But we got everything going on here. But uh, this episode is pretty cool. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about this uh, you know, awesome guy. And uh, Darren McBee, uh, actor, stuntman. Uh, for you Monster Truck fans, he played uh, the role of the Equalizer character in the show Monster Wars in 1993. Um, so uh, 93, 94, whenever the, the show was on UPN or the WB and stuff like that. But uh, hear his side of it. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, uh, and hopefully, uh, the, you know, let you fans uh, learn about that. And the cool thing is also he did uh, American Gladiators and also started Mortal Kombat Annihilation too. So uh, some cool stuff going on there. But uh, we'll get our intro in and have Darren on in a little bit. So uh, here we go. Concepts, a show where we take you inside the minds of your favorite drivers, past and present, of the monster truck industry. And now, your hosts, Bradshaw and Dan Chichagash. Buckle in. The show starts now. But I did not hear, I didn't, I can't hear you now. Okay. Can you hear me now? There we go. We had our little intro going on there, and I had you in the back lot. But uh, Darren, how you doing, man? Uh, nice to have you on, and and uh, just you know, hear the chat. 
Yeah, hey, thank you so much for having me on, man. That intro blew my mind, man. That was awesome, dude. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I got so pumped watching that. That's amazing. Just amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm feeling, I'm feeling fired up tonight, man. I'm ready to go, buddy. <laughs> That's so cool. You know, let's let's talk about it because actually for me as a little kid, I knew you as Malibu from American right. Gladiator. Right. And um, and I, I want to reach the talk about we'll, we'll talk about what the key what we got you here for. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But um, we were talking off screen off the screen about you know you you studied a lot of martial arts and right. were you always gonna did you always want to be an actor was was the action back that like the action uh movies the the stallones the Schwarzeneggers, the john claude van damme yeah. was that what you idolized and wanted to do was acting what you wanted to do well first of those guys weren't even on the scene when i was when i was growing up uh Actually, I was a huge fan of the Adam West Batman in the 60s. Um, he was like my hero. So I remember being in school when I was about eight years old, and a kid, uh, kids would be asked, like, what do you want to do for a living when you grow up? And Johnny would say, I want to be a doctor. And Susie would say, a veterinarian, or you know, somebody would be a cowboy or whatever. And the teacher asked me, what do you want to do, Darren? I said, I want to be Batman. And uh, she goes, well, you can't be Batman. I said, sure, I can be Batman. I want to be Batman. So... I think it's been in my blood my whole my whole life. I was thinking about that today. And the cool thing about it was is that throughout my career, I've done some pretty amazing things. But I think one thing was really neat is I was actually in two of the major big Batman movies in the 90s, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So, you know, dreams can come true if you're a young man. I just I'm a, a firm believer in, uh, you know, seeing your dream and, and following your dream. So you, you, you took the like uh... – I said earlier, you you had a, also a history of the martial arts, like I said. Um, right. What got you intrigued about that? Well, definitely Bruce Lee, of course. I mean, who wasn't inspired by Bruce Lee? Um, and I was a really skinny kid in high school, believe it or not. I got picked on, um, and it used to drive me crazy, and it was embarrassing, and I was very, very insecure. So uh, I watched Bruce Lee and I thought, man, I want to be like Bruce Lee. So I started taking Wushu Kung Fu when I was 13 years old. And from there, it went to boxing. Uh, really, when I saw Rocky, when Rocky came out, man, I went nuts. I go, okay, that's who I want to be. I want to be like Rocky. So I started hitting the speed bag. And so I was learning a little bit of boxing. And then uh, after that, Kempo Karate. And uh, I just kind of went to some jujitsu and a little bit gravitating to each martial arts. And that was because... Uh, if I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to learn how to fight for camera correctly. And so fighting in real life and fighting for camera are two totally different things. And one of my good friends is actually Chuck Norris. Um, he's brought me in several of his productions. And uh, I met him at a Christian, uh, kind of like a martial arts convention that I was working at. And then he and I became friends. And he had me on a guest, guest starring on Walker, Texas Ranger about three weeks later. And then we became buddies. I actually... Uh, one of the few people that can say that I was Chuck Norris's bodyguard. How cool is that? Um, but as I was telling you earlier, um, I learned to fight for camera. So in front of a camera, I can fight like an animal. I'm just a wild man, like a Tasmanian devil. I look really good. I'm really fast. But in real life, in a street fight, I probably couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag. It's, it's, pretty, it's all for show and no for, and no for go. But uh, I learned a lot. It really helped me with my self-confidence. And um, 
And of course, the weight training came into a big factor because I was so skinny. I always wanted to build myself up. So um, also Rocky, again, I saw him, he's kind of bucked out. And there, there you are. I just, as a 16, 17 year old kid, I go, that's it. I'm hitting the gym. So that's kind of how the uh, inception was of my whole martial arts working out thing. So you, you did that. And then um, how, how did the process of the American Gladiator uh, segment came about in your career? So, yeah, that, that's a really, really interesting question because um, I was sitting on a life cycle and the guy sitting next to me said, hey, Darren, there's something that looks really cool. It was in an acting trade paper called Variety. Uh, I think it was no, no backstage. And so he says, listen, there's a show concept show called American Gladiators. And they're looking for a guy that describes you because I had really long hair at the time. Um, and so he said, you're looking for a surfer type guy. And uh, you look like you might be right for the part. You're athletic. So I went down and I did a tryout and I just smoked the tryout. I mean, I, I just was really, really good. I did an excellent job. And then they had me for an oral interview because they said, uh, this is going to be your character. Your character is going to be named Domino. And I said, Domino? I said, I'm not a pizza delivery guy. I said, how about you call me Malibu? And they started cracking up. And so um, I just put on this whole surfer, you know, mentality. It's like, whoa, dude, I'm so stoked to be here, man. I'm going to crush it when I get on the American Gladiators. And these guys were just cracking up and having a great time with me. And, and that's kind of how it happened. And uh, also at the exact same time, literally about two weeks before, um, I booked the Conan the Barbarian show at Universal Studios. Um, so I was playing, literally, I was being uh, Conan during the night, and then I'd be Malibu during the day uh, on the lower lot of Universal Studios filming. So it was like living a dream, man. It was amazing, just amazing. So when, so the, 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 the how does, I am always was curious, how did you guys get, did you guys get picked to do the challenges against these contestants on American Gladiators? Was, was or was it you know you said I'll do that one or you know I like this one better I'll do that one how did that go right. against the contestants right 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 yeah so I'm, I think it was kind of arbitrary I think they kind of picked for us but obviously some of us were better at certain games and others and others I was really really good at the wall like I was undefeated climbing the wall which is you get this big wall it's like a you know a wall with these little cups on them, suction cups or whatever, and you climb up there and you try and jerk the competitor down. Um, I was really, really good at that. And there's one uh, where we'd shoot tennis balls at people. And I, I was kind of a dead shot from that. So I did good. But I was terrible in this one called the conquer ring where it was a wrestling ring. And I've got super long legs. And I don't know if I've ever won in the conquer ring. It'd be like someone would get down, grab me by the legs and then throw me out of the ring. So I was good at some and I was stinky at the other some of the other ones. But it was pretty much um, what the producer's choice was. I think as the season went on, they started putting the gladiators in the events that were best crafted for their talent. Man, that's so cool. And then, um, you, I mean, so with the season goes on, did they, did they always try like, you know, you're part of the original part of the group. And then, was it your decision to go, ah, I'm done with this? Or did they always say, uh, they try to put fresh faces? Yeah, no, so it was, you know, it's a good question. Really what happened was there was this uh, gentleman who was a producer, and uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but um, he just always had something against me because I was like a happy-go-lucky guy in the show. I didn't really care if I won or lose, really. I mean, of course, I competed. But my whole thing was this is entertainment. You know, this is sports entertainment. This isn't pro football. This isn't pro basketball or hockey. 
this is sports entertainment and people are here to be entertained. Now, all the other gladiators were going full on, full bore to win because there's a lot of ego involved with those people, which there's nothing wrong with that. But me, I was just having a great time. And the one thing about that just really resonated with the fans. The fans absolutely loved my crazy, happy-go-lucky character. Um, it was like, here's Malibu. He just loves hanging out with the beach, having some brews and hanging with the babes. And of course, I, I never drank a beer in my life, but that was just a little spiel. But um, yeah, the, the other gladiators, gladiators went full bore. And this guy who was a producer just decided he didn't like me. So he fired me from off the first season. And the rest of the producers got so upset with him, they fired him the next season. And um, I actually came back. We did a live tour that started in Maine. And I went from Maine, I was supposed to go from Maine all the way down to California. And in Hersey, Pennsylvania, I tore my bicep on this game called Hang Tough. Um, it was like swinging from ring to ring to ring, catching the contenders. And anyway, so I tore my bicep, which is one of the most painful injuries I've ever had. But I continued to stay on the tour um, for another couple of weeks. And then um, I got uh, auditioned for a, a really great Fruit of the Loom underwear commercial where I got to play Samson. And... Uh, so I went out, auditioned, and they loved me. And I, so I booked this amazing commercial in New York. And so I walked away from the Gladiators, very happy to pursue my acting and my commercial career. And then again, I came back again when they had a Gladiators Live. It's kind of like a dinner theater. Um, you've heard of um, Medieval Times. It's kind of like that, where Gladiators performed against contenders, and, and it'd be a dinner theater. People would eat their food and you know cheer for their favorite Gladiator or contender. And so I spent a month up in uh, Kissimmee, Florida and had a ball up there and uh, you know kind of the rest is kind of history and uh, what's really cool is if I might mention that uh, ESPN just finished a massive documentary it's kind of like a where are they now documentary for the American Gladiators and uh, I was one of the featured guys that they filmed throughout the whole thing so that should be coming out in the next couple of months uh, be looking for it it's ESPN uh, 30 for 30 uh, retrospective on the American gladiators. So uh, be looking for that. I'm super excited about that. Hear about that first folks, 30 for 30 on ESPN. Yep. yep. So you guys are first to know, I haven't told anybody, anybody else yet. So there you go. That's pretty cool. So, you know, the, the, you, you're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, the way I was thinking about your timeline right now, for me it, in the nineties, you were always active. You're always doing something. So yeah, I'm gonna pick your mind on the topic that's here. How how did it come about to uh, become a a monster truck character? Mm. Um, yeah, of something that obviously has to take talent because if someone said you had to figure out your name of the truck is Equalizer, and right. you have to act like the particular machine. And right, right. like that, that gotta be picking your brain because you're kind of like, you know, entering a room without a flashlight because you have to figure something out with this character. So let's talk about that. How did you get into that scenario? Yeah. So cutting out. Hi, I'm back again. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate to get a call to do this thing. I've always been a monster truck fan. I just think they're just so wickedly cool. And uh, they wanted me to play this kind of all American equalizer guy. And I'm like, yeah, that's right up my alley. And so I kind of dove into my inner, you know, wrestler persona. And I would think, you know, monster trucks are big, they're bad. They got these 
you know, big whole pipes are loud. And so I just wanted to go over the top, you know, with it and have a, a really super, super fun time with it. And uh, it was great, man. I mean, I, I, I think uh, the concept was, was good. We had a lot of fun and uh, I really enjoyed my time on the show. So you, with that program too, because you know, it kind of reminded me of as if, if Captain America was a wrestler, how you kind of right. portrayed it. And, right. But but kind of halfway in the season, somehow or some way, it, it just switched to saying you want to be a rock star or yeah. playing the guitar, and you know, and then you have all these babes next to you. Why was the sudden? What do you remember? Why the sudden cha- sudden change from like Captain America to like Van Halen? Uh, I, I just yeah, that's funny you, you saw that. I was kind of thinking, all right, every, you know, a lot of times these monster trucks kind of uh, morph into different things. And I just thought, if this guy's Captain America, what's his, what's his alter ego? What does he really want to be? And every squeaky clean guy, you know, wants to be a rock star, you know? So I thought, hey, I've got long hair underneath this helmet. I'm going to let it flow. Just going to wear this crazy, you know, like uh, glam rock stuff and uh, just have the babes around. And so they loved the idea. And we, we took, we took the ball, so to speak, and ran with it. And um, and that was kind of along the theme. There was a, a thing, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. it was, I think it was called Car Wars, but uh, my character was called Bad Axe, B-A-D-A-X-E. Um, and so I played a rock star in that thing, and that was supposed to be huge. I mean, we had big car explosions um, with different guys playing different car characters, the same kind of concept. It was awesome. I mean, we went out and we had the producers of the show telling us that we're going to have dolls made out of us and all these really cool things. And it's going to be the biggest show on TV. And so, of course, we're all excited. And uh, for some reason, um, the people that were manufacturing the toy line and the people that were buying it for the money people were arguing, um, which happens so many times. Greed, corporate greed gets involved in things. And they just shut the whole thing down out of nowhere. So it was just one of those great, great, uh, opportunities that got lost because of corporate greed. So when you, uh, I'm still uh, for the fans and stuff like that. When you did your stuff, your vignettes, I guess about you know saying you know, hey, grave digger, I'm here to stomp you down, and you know, talking, you know, your shoots or your, you know, your stuff like that. But did, were you by yourself, or was the rest of the guys in the same room? And then they just, you know, edit or not edit, but, you know, do the scene and go from there. Right. Right. Everybody lined up and did their own, um, their promos, as we call it. So Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't literally literally looking at Gravedigger. They had me give an eye line. Um, He was in the room, but I would do and cut my promo and then a Gravedigger would come up and he cut his promo and so forth and and so on. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how they, they shot it because they, once they light for a certain look, it takes forever to switch lighting around. So basically what they need to do is just set that lighting up and just gun people through as fast as possible. Cause there's a lot of retakes and redos and, you know, say it this way, try it that way. So it, it ended up taking, you know, I think 12 hours for all of us to just finish cutting our promos. Yeah. And I'm assuming you guys are in front of a green screen uh, for different, uh, uh, sections yep. and stuff like that. Um, yep. you know, it was starting to, they had a toy line going on for that group and diff- the different characters were just following through. Did you guys have to do like a little tour or anything like that? Did you guys go to the monster truck shows and stuff like that too? Just to see fans and 
stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of kind of strange because again, once once again, we started having the producer say, "Yeah, you're going to do this and that and the other thing and toys and and uh, I don't know what happened with that, but it just kind of fell through. Um, you know, it was super fun to do and we all had a great time and we're all you know totally all for it. But uh, no, I just I just think they all kind of pooped out and and uh, I thought it would have been great and. It's still, I think, even these days, if they, you know, bring something like that back, I think it would be awesome. Yeah, with today's trucks like El Toro Loco and, you know, oh, yeah. Gravedigger and all them and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, um, yeah it would be awesome. Yeah, hopefully the character, well, you probably could have done it, but uh, hopefully the characters back then would have done a backflip just like the trucks do. <laughs> oh, man. It, yeah, it, it, it's amazing watching what those trucks can do now. I mean, those, what do they call them, sky wheelies or something? Those are so cool. I mean, <laughs> It's just, it's awesome. Those things are just awesome. Yeah, the nose wheelies and stuff like nose that. Nose wheelies, so, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Go on, very cool. Man, that's so cool that, you know, it, it's, it, it sucked it only happened for one season. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it tore all around the, you know, the, the country and stuff like that. But it, it was pretty cool that, you know, uh, talk about, you know, the, 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 the character itself and, um, like you said, the twelve-hour day, so it got to have been hot inside that equalizer suit. Oh yeah, yeah, it got hot. It got real hot. I mean, you, you kind of get used to it. You know, you got to in between takes. If you get an hour break or something, you know, get out of that suit as fast as possible because we'd all be sweating like crazy. Well, not all of us. Grape Digger didn't really uh, have a hot suit, but some of us had costumes that were a little warm. But you know, we're so we're all so happy to be on a TV show yeah. because it's so hard as an you know as an actor get on any TV show. So if you book anything, you're just so happy you deal with you know whatever the pain or trial you have to go through. You know what I'm saying? Just just to, because you're on TV. And I believe also uh, you had a pr- uh, uh, one character I remember, the Carolina Crusher. That guy was in the movie Over the Top uh, with Sylvester yes. Stallone with the arm wrestling yes. uh, about yes. the pig rig and. Uh, yeah, uh, that was pretty cool to see and stuff like that. And yeah, um, yeah, uh, really, he, he was a really cool guy, by the way. I mean, he played this big beast of a guy, but he's really, really nice man. I mean, a lot of those big guys are, usually are. Um, but yeah, I had a great time with him. He's a super cool guy. Do you normally get people uh, coming by and saying, "Hey, what's up, Malibu?" Or you know, I saw you at that monster truck thing. Do you get that? Yeah, uh, you often? know, it's funny. Well, I tell you, just I mean, literally just the other day, I was at um, I was in a float for the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Uh, about I don't know, no, around Thanksgiving time, a little after Thanksgiving. Anyways, um, just preparing for that, we were getting some supplies from a Walmart, and some guy um, who makes these really cool like Muppet types of creatures just goes, "Hey, you're Malibu," and I'm going, "Yeah, that's me." He goes, "Ah, oh, dude, what's up?" And so we became Facebook buddies, and. Uh, and yeah, that, that happens, you know, I mean, it's, it's still amazing to me um, how many fans are still so loyal. I've had people send me the most amazing fan art, um, coffee cups, T-shirts with my likeness on it. And uh, I've sent out a lot of pictures to people all over the world. I just sent a couple of pictures out to somebody out in Poland. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. And I'm, I think when this uh, ESPN documentary comes out again, uh, it's going to be or not again for the first time, but. When it comes out, it's going to really uh, ramp up the notoriety. And so I'll be able to be busy doing you know, meet and greets and, you know, speaking engagements and things like that. And I'm super excited about that. Now, we're going to go through another movie, which for me personally, I was a very good fan of. I played the video games. I was hooked on it when my, when my babysitter had it on the Sega Genesis Mortal Kombat. 
The movie yes. came out. The original movie came out in 1994-95 and was a huge hit, especially right. how it finished compared to John Claude Van Damme's Street Fighter. And yeah. then they made Annihilation, which was I think 97-98. And 90, yeah. you starred starred in as one of the fighting characters that was in later on, I think was in Mortal Kombat 3 or 4 and the Capcom uh, the came and Capcom yeah. series and stuff like that. Yeah. So um were you always how when you first got the gig to become you know one of the characters in Mortal Kombat, uh, how was that for you? Oh, it, it was it was a, a dream. I mean, it was to be in one of the biggest you know franchises in the world, Mortal Kombat, and then to play. Literally, I was the number one villain out there playing Motaro. I mean, uh, my character was at that time the first CGI. A character that literally mixed CGI with live action and tried to do it seamlessly. That was the first time. So now, of course, what they're doing is amazing compared to that. But back then, it was absolutely amazing. And my character, we, we figured out every minute I was on screen, it cost a million dollars because of the computer stuff and, and everything. So to me, um, that was a huge blessing. I mean, just an amazing blessing. I had auditioned for it five times. Um, and again, my martial arts, obviously, my background helped a lot, of course. And I think what really got the, the job for me as compared to other guys that might have been bigger than me uh, was the fact that I was a really decent actor. So that that put it over the top because they obviously wanted this guy to be able to, you know, throw down his lines and, and be able to be a, a decent, you know, spokesperson. So it turned out great, man. It's been really good. I've been to a couple of comic cons and things. So it's, it's been truly, truly a blessing. So, I mean, yeah, especially since the first movie, Goro was animatronic and like still, you know, yeah. it was, he, you could tell he was kind of like, you know, how, how is this guy going to fight when the video game is pretty algebra? So right. I, I understand how you, the right. scenario that you got yourself into because they need the big guy, the, the, the fast moving stuff like that for this new film, right. which, which you said again, you go to those comic cons and stuff like that. So you know, you probably get a mixture of both worlds at these Comic Cons being Malibu and then you're being a character from Mortal Kombat. You're having so much of this stuff going on. Um, I know, I know it's a sad time too. Uh, last couple, about a month or so ago, the lossing of uh, Jason Frank. Uh, you know, he, he was an idol of mine when watching the Power Rangers and stuff like that. And, uh, right. and, and I'm transitioning this too because, uh, you told me beforehand, uh, you 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 do you speak and then you help people out um right. and all sorts of stuff and and your journey right. is pretty awesome because not like uh a lot of people that do a lot of Hollywood stuff really go to the dark end and they can't come right. back uh yeah and no matter help and stuff like that but it's the way I'm reading about you is you found the light so how did you I mean I'm obviously I, I got a feeling the Lord above. God himself probably put his hand on you to help you out. Um, yeah. But but how 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 did you get yourself, you know, strong and you know get yourself in the uh, into a uh, art or a, uh, a I can't say job but a profession where the some places could be very dark. Yeah. Um... I don't know if you can hear me. You're cutting out a little bit. Um, oh, sorry. So, um, okay, here we go again. So, 
the whole thing, the whole thing with that, I just, I got to say, since I was 13 years old, I've been a Christian and uh, I, I'm not a, a, a Christian to just, I'm a Christian. They go out and act like crazy people. No, I really consider myself a follower of Christ. And um, not that I ever, I never try and ram my religious beliefs down to anybody's throat, but uh, I've been preaching and teaching the word of God for the last 25 years, literally travel around the country, sharing my faith. I've been involved in groups uh, that are called strength ministries called the power team and team impact, where we do these crazy feats of strength, like ripping palm books and, Elbows and all these crazy feet. Yeah, so I was one of those guys for 15 years. And um, truly, you know, when, when you become a, a servant of God, um, Jesus Christ was the biggest servant of all time. And so if you're truly going to follow that faith, that you've got to be a servant and there's no place for egos. So to me, you know, every time I, I got an amazing job or booked an amazing commercial, it was like, thank you, God. You know, it, it really had nothing to do with me, I just believe they're good gifts. Now, of course, I trained very hard in the gym and I studied very hard. But at the end of the day, I still owe everything I have and all my success and blessings to, to God. And so I realized to me that that's what has kept me is, you know, humble, so to speak, whereas a lot of people, when they get caught up and they start thinking, hey, it's all about me, then they start getting ego tripping and all that stuff and, and their life becomes miserable. But uh Truly, I, I, I've been doing this for, well, the ministry for almost, like I said, 25 years. And I just incorporate my ministry and my Christianity into everything I do, which means I try and always help people. Um, I try and always love on people and be a servant. Um, I also have been a drug and alcohol counselor now for about the last five years. And that's been super rewarding. Um, and so I, I, I do that to help people also. So um, it, it's been a blessing. I've had a really kind of amazing life. I've had some really terrible tragedies that happened as well. Um, but again, I just, I, I just thank God for getting me through everything. So like we, uh, <clears throat> you do all those stuff. And also, like you said, you do the comic cons. Um, how many of those do you do a year? You know, I've, I've done probably, I'm guessing maybe six. Um, the last one I did at, at Comic-Con, I was, uh, did, did it for uh, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. And then it kind of died down. Um, I injured my hip really bad, uh, actually crushed my hip, and had to have uh, hip surgery uh, to replace it. And the first time, after about a month, it got an infection that was systemic that almost killed me. So I was out for almost two years. Um, unfortunately, during that time, I became addicted to uh, painkillers, which was a horrible, horrible time in my life. I mean, you know, doctors will tell you, oh, it's, you know, I, I never, before I ever, you know, got addicted to stuff, I never smoked a cigarette, I never drank a beer, I, I never smoked pot, you know, and do any drugs at all, ever. Of all the times I've been injured and never touched it. And so when this doctor was telling me, hey, I tried this new Oxycontin stuff, and I said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. And he goes, listen, you won't be addicted. So how do you know? And he said, well, because you never have before. Well, you know, he just wanted to sell me product. And so unfortunately I did get very addicted to it. Um, and I made a decision uh, because it was ruining my life and the life of my two daughters that I raised by myself after my wife passed away. Um, it was ruining our lives. So I just sat down and prayed. I said, God, you know what? Um, I, you can get me through this. I'll go to rehab and I'll clean myself out and I will be a spokesperson for you and against drugs for the rest of my life. 
so that's kind of how I ended up uh, where I am right now. Man, and then, and then you're like you said, you're uh, that, like you said before, man, that really got me going when you said about the power team. Because when I was in middle yeah. school and high school, we always, I didn't know if there was multiple group power teams, but I remember you got, I remember the colors were purple and yellow. And yeah, that was Team Impact. That was actually Team Impact. Oh, my bad. Okay. Okay. No, 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 because Impact were all power team guys. They just kind of branched off in the power team. So you're right, basically. And they were power team guys. Um, okay. I actually worked for the power team and Team Impact. And uh, actually, Team Impact was the most fun. And if you want, remind me, I'll send you a picture of me um, breaking 700 pounds of ice with a double forearm. And I'm breaking a 500 pound uh, slabs of ice with a sidekick. So. Both in in that garb, so just uh, yeah, uh, just yeah. remind me, I'll shoot it out to you. I remember that. I remember uh, w- a wood breaking, and then um, I remember one guy with the phone book tried to rip the phone book uh, with his hands too. Um, a couple other guys yeah. were pretty good at basketball because uh, well, I remember yeah. we did a lot at basketball courts or, or some of the churches that um, yeah. we visit. You know, some they would have a teen activity room where it could be a carpet floor but it's a basketball court and kids can play basketball and stuff like that and um uh still i mean that that, i didn't know that's that's news to me because i remember when i was a little kid i saw that stuff and it was it was pretty cool to see that you know the impact and stuff like that that you guys had done yeah you know it was really inspirational and it was very inspirational for me too because these guys were really good men. I mean, quality men that uh, loved their wives. They went to church. They didn't do, you know, do drugs, but they were really happy with their lives. They were very centered. And that's quite different than what I was used to seeing when I was in Hollywood, because, you know, being in Hollywood, um, you know, you see a whole different side of people. You know, you see wildlife partying, people sleeping around, drugs, et cetera. And then you move to a situation where these guys are literally, they, they love their wife, they're faithful, um, they're strong as oxes. Most of them were ex-pro football players, much stronger than me, um, doing these amazing feats of strength. Um, what, what put me over is because I could do the flashy martial arts stuff. So, you know, where I couldn't make up for strength, I made up for speed and, you know, did most of the feats. But, of course, when it came to lifting logs and, you know, bench pressing 225 pounds 25 times, that, that wasn't me. <laughs> Uh, but I had a ball. It was a wonderful time. And and you also you said you did the you also did Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Yep. Uh, you were also yep. a stunt devil. Uh, how right. how did you get yourself into that situation? And how did you always get your body prepared for some of the stuff that you're gonna put yourself into? Yeah. So um, you know you can just train and get to be the best shape you can be, but. Um, for instance, I stunt doubled Sting, the pro wrestler, for a PlayStation commercial. I, I stunt doubled Triple H um, for a World Wrestling Federation promo where I did a horse fall for him. Um, and the one I did for Sting, um, I literally got thrown. Didn't you know? I threw myself through it, but uh, it was one of those huge storefront windows made out of pure glass, and I was basically wearing his wrestling singlet. And uh, I had to go through it. And of course, right before I hit the glass. They put charges in all the corners of the windows and then blew the, blew the glass before I hit it. But still, when you're going through that glass, that shattered glass. So I, I came off with about 30 cuts all over my body. I sliced a piece of my arm up um, that probably needed stitches, but I never got it stitched up. 
Um, nothing happened. I did Triple H. You know, I stunt doubled a guy named Ralph Mueller and a Conan TV show in Mexico. Um, and so, yeah, I, I actually, I, my first stunt doubling job was someone I didn't look like at all, but I stunt doubled Hulk Hogan in a car commercial. Um, and I was, you know, driving a stunt car and I was, it was like way, 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 way long shots. So they could have put anybody in the car, but basically I need somebody with kind of long hair. But so anyways, yeah, that's kind of how I did it. And, um, I really didn't get hurt too bad. I, I in Batman uh, and Robin though, there was a stunt where a guy, a stunt man was jumping through a big, uh, a big window. And, uh, we had to have a pad for him when he hit the ground, the window was about 12 feet up in the air. And we had to make sure that if he landed, he landed on the pad and part of the window still broke and hit me between the eyes and put a puncture in between my eyes, uh, about my forehead, about the size of a, just a pencil eraser. But that bled like crazy. It, it was like nuts. And, um, my mom was a hairstylist and she worked on all a bunch of big movies with Tom Cruise and stuff. And it just happened to be that day she was working with me on Batman and the call goes out that a stunt man's been injured. And there's like 15, 20 of us. And she's going out certainly it can't be my son. And so she comes out and there I am. I got blood all over my face, running on my face. And there my mom's running to me and she's going, Oh, Sonny, call me Sonny. Right. In front of all these stunt guys. I'm going, mom. <laughs> so for the rest of the time, all the guys are going, Hey, Sonny, how are you? <laughs> so, um, so, you know, weird things like that happen. Um, but I really wasn't injured too bad. So, I mean, let's talk about the Batman films because, you know, the, that's another popular franchise. Still going today, still kicking butt, taking names. Uh, you know, when you had the opportunity to do the first Batman film, I mean, did you have to uh, uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, meet different times with these people? Or uh, did you, like, basically say, hey, sign me up, I'm ready to do this? Right, right. In, in Batman Forever... We actually met with Val Kilmer because we I did a fight scene uh, in the very first movie of Batman Forever. If you want to see who I am, there's an elevator scene there, and all these guys fight Batman in the elevator, and then there's one guy at the very end who jumps in. It's a, just a one-on-one -on -one shot, and it's me. I come running down the hallway with these two spikes on my coming out of my gloves, and uh, I'm, I'm going to spear him through, and at the last second, he jumps out of the way and grabs me before I fall down this elevator shaft and throws me into another guy, but it was a great, really, really great scene. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was just something I, you know, get prepared for as the best you can. You just, just do what you can to get ready and prepare yourself mentally and emotionally and focus. You got to always be focused when you're doing stunts. So then how did you get, uh, and so, how did you get word about Batman and Robin? So um, Joel Schumacher, who passed away, was a, a big director. He did a movie called The Lost Boys. You might remember The Lost Boys and a bunch of other movies. And uh, I met him uh, when he was doing this movie called Falling Down with Michael Douglas. And um, I, I went into his trailer. He saw my, my reel and he hired me straight away for Falling Down. So he put me in his movie Falling Down. Um, if you want to see me, it's hilarious. Uh, they pretty much cut my whole scene out. But at the very end of the movie, you'll see me standing on the end of the pier in a pink Speedo. Um, it's so the, the deal was that I was, there was a car commercial being filmed supposedly, and I was holding up this Kia car and these uh, four beautiful babes are on each, each side of me. And Robert Duvall comes running by and he screws the scene up and I'm going, Hey man, what are you doing? Man? Get, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, they cut that whole scene out, but there I am at the end of that movie in my pink speedos, you can't miss it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then from there, he asked me to come on in Batman and Robin cause he directed that. 
And then he also directed, uh, I mean, sorry, he asked me to be on Batman Forever. And then after that, he asked me to come on Batman and Robin. So that's how I booked those three movies. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. You know, and and then so, um, like you said, you do uh, you help out with people that are addicted to you know drugs and alcohol and stuff like that to help them out. Uh, is that what you're currently doing or is what your projects are doing right now? What's your projects? So um, I'm still doing the drug alcohol counseling. I'm still doing ministry. Um, I go and I, I speak to men's groups and, and uh, still do my preaching. That's what I've been doing. I just worked on a little movie for Disney. Uh, it was kind of like a, a, a trailer. They're trying to pitch a, a new uh, idea for Disney. I can't really talk about that, but um, I shot that. That was a lot of fun. And then, of course, this ESPN documentary is going to be huge. So that's kind of re, relight uh, the candle under my career. Um, but again, I, I'm just coming back literally in the last year and a half from that hip surgery. And then what happened was I got such a horrible infection from the first hip surgery um, that they had to go in and do surgery again. They had to take out the, uh, all the metal, all the titanium, put the new hip in and then replace it with, you know, tons. They packed it with tons of antibiotics. And for the next five months, I was seeing uh, a wound care specialist that was pumping me through antibiotic after antibiotic, all these different antibiotics. Some of them were so expensive, they were worth their weight in gold, literally. And they were doing it to save my life because had that infection gotten any worse, I could have lost my leg or I could have died uh, or I would have made it. That's exactly what the, uh, the, the doctor, uh, infectious disease doctor told me. He said, Darren, you got a one of three things gonna happen. You're gonna lose your leg, you're gonna die, you're gonna be okay. And uh, he told me that just very matter of factly in his office. And to be honest with you, I, I started to weep. I started to cry and scream, crying about it. I go, dude, you just basically told me I got a two out of three chance of really crappy stuff happening to me. Um, it took me a while to process that. But, um, you know, by the grace of God, I, I was healed. And, um, and I've been, you know, feeling 100% better. I'm back in the gym right now to get back in shape. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, neat stuff on the horizon. So I'm just excited to see what the future is going to bring. Any uh, thing on social media people can follow you at? Just didn't get hold of me on Facebook. Um, that's about the only thing. I'm going to start uh, actually selling my art. So if you find me on Facebook, you're going to start seeing my art pop up. Um, it's really cool. Most of it's fantasy art. Um, I do some musicians and things, but uh, it's really wild. I use super bright colors, and it's really fun. But, yeah, people need to get a hold of me. If you're having any kind of issue with drug addiction and you're hurting and you need to talk, um, you have questions your faith as far as your Christian faith is, or you want to ask me, you know, any question. If you want to, you know, if you don't believe God and you want to ask questions, right? You know, this is what I do, and um, I, I'm here to take on anything as long as people are polite and as long as you know they sincerely want to know an answer to a question. I, I want to help and I want to be there for people. So uh, that's what I do. They can get a hold of me on Facebook. I'll friend them, and uh, and uh, we'll go from there. Man, thank you so much, Darren, for your uh, time and everything like yep. that, man. Uh, once again, thank yeah. you again, and uh, see you down the road. Hey, man, thank you so much, and I'm glad we finally got together, right? I mean, it was uh, it was, it was amazing. So um, you're a great guy. Remind us of pictures, and uh, everybody, God bless you. Have a great New Year. Stay healthy. Um, stay away from fentanyl. It's killing people. It's horrible. Please don't use it. God bless you guys. Bye. Bye. Man, that was cool. Darren McBeed, uh, 
That's awesome. And we learned a little bit about the equalizer. So you all you monster war fans, uh, go ahead and take a look at that stuff. But, uh, next couple weeks will be some recorded episodes again. Um, Brad helped out on Tuesday. Thank you very much, Brad. Uh, so the next couple weeks, he's probably gonna be off. Um, I'm gonna do a lot of live, um, not live, but look, this person I'm interviewing is probably gonna be next to me. So, uh, we'll go from there. And, uh, man, once again, thank you to High Octane Coffee. Joey Sylvester's down in Florida right now, uh, wearing the American Scout hoodie. Uh, Brad designed that too. Uh, JB Scale Graphics is now doing some helmet stuff. So, uh, gonna take a look at the, the helmet here this weekend and go from there. But, um, Man and J Concepts, so we're making. I'm doing a little bit of a side project, taking my time. I'll be on the lookout for that too, uh, guys. Thank you so much. And also, uh, go to our uh, spreadshop.com site. Get some T-shirts. Help the podcast out. Uh, help us out with what you guys need to do. And then uh, uh, we also got a new sponsor. Uh, we'll be coming in our next uh, uh, episode here. Uh, Mark Warner. Uh, he's an announcer, monster truck announcer, which you can hear him at the Monsters of Destruction shows. Uh, first one will be Madison, Wisconsin, I believe, in February. So go take a look at that. Also, Hall Brothers Racing, thank you guys. Uh, thank you for everyone that has helped us out. Uh, Justin Stories, like I said, go take a look at his comic books and stuff like that. But uh, once again, guys, thank you. Go 6B2, contact me or Brad and get yourself a hoodie or a crew shirt. Uh, $100 a pop. And uh, just it's the same exact material, same exact stuff as you see the Monster Jam guys do or Independence have. So they're race-ready material. So once again, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Dan Chichagosh, Brad Shaw. Uh, once again, he says, keep the rubber side down and the shiny side up. Peace. <laughs>